0: Democrats continue to toy with the idea of impeaching Donald Trump. On the one hand, it seems easier than trying to defeat him in an election. But on the other hand, there could be a lot of paperwork involved. Plus, they'd have to find a place to park near the Capitol building. Congressman Jerry Nadler was interviewed while he was hiding under a bridge in hopes of devouring one of the three billy goats' gruff. And he said, quote, We have fallen into a terrible imaginary crisis while voters just stand around apathetically admiring their new jobs or their new cars or the fact that they can now feed their families. We need to make these people understand how hysterical I am or else we can't even begin to tear this country apart over nothing. Unquote. Congressman Adam Schiff stood on the Capitol steps waving a sealed envelope and telling reporters, quote, I have in this envelope absolute proof that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians, and if he didn't collude with the Russians, he obstructed justice, and if he didn't obstruct justice, he said races were fine people, and if he didn't say racists were fine people, then why am I standing here waving this envelope? Unquote. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi remains uncertain on the matter of impeachment, and in a statement made to the statue of Sacagawea in the Capitol Rotunda, she said, quote, the questions we have to answer as a nation are, where am I, and why is there a lipstick stain on my forehead? Because before we can move forward with the matter as important as impeaching George W. Bush, I need to know why I locked myself in the broom closet last week, and if not then, when, unquote. President Trump, meanwhile, has introduced a proposal to revamp the current immigration system. But Democrats say that's just a cynical ploy to try to distract voters from the matter of impeachment by solving the nation's problems. Trigger warning I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky dunky. Life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a-biddy-zing. It's a wonderful day, hoorah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hoorah, hooray. Oh,
1: hooray, hoorah.
0: You know, it's it's not that I think the Democrats are living entirely in a fantasy world. Oh, wait, no, that's exactly what I think. If it weren't for the fact that the Democrats own the echo chamber of the news and entertainment media, it would be obvious by now that they've become blithering fantasists talking provable nonsense 24-7. Trump's a racist, except what racist thing has he done? Trump's a dictator, except who's he dictating to? Trump is lawless, except what law has he broken? The Democrat fantasy of Donald Trump has entered that magical Democrat world in which babies aren't human, capitalism doesn't work, and people of color are excluded in America. A world, in other words, that doesn't actually exist. I think this explains why the left has lost its commitment to the most American of American values, free speech. Keep the conservatives off Facebook and Twitter, demonize Fox News, silence campus speakers. You can't keep a lunatic fantasy going if people are allowed to interrupt you with the truth. The Democrats have become like crazy old Uncle Fred. You have to drop your voice to a whisper when you talk about the fact that Aunt Nettie died 20 years ago, just about the time socialism collapsed, because (laughs) Uncle Fred is convinced Aunt Nettie is still alive. But screw Uncle Fred. Let's talk about what's really happening. And first, let's talk about our wonderful new sponsor, Ollie. You know, I lost my dog years ago. I miss her every day. You've got to take care of your dog. They depend on Depend on you. And Ollie puts dogs first with a vet formulated reps with vet formulated recipes and fully transparent ingredients to give your dog the healthiest food possible. Ollie makes fresh meals for dogs with real ingredients that people can eat and delivers them to you on a regular schedule because they create customized vet formulated recipes made with all natural ingredients, no preservatives and sourced from U.S. Family Farms. Go to MyOlly.com. Answer a few questions about your dog. They'll customize recipes to your dog and ship pre-portioned meals so your dog gets the perfect portion every time. Shipping's free, and if your dog doesn't like the meals, they have a money-back guarantee. Ollie is offering our listeners 60% off your first box plus a free bag of treats at MyOlly.com slash Try slash Claven. This is the best deal they have available anywhere. Go to myolly.com slash try slash Clavin for 60% off plus a free bag of treats. Spelled M-I-M-I-M-Y-O-L-L-I-E dot com slash try slash claven. And I know what you're thinking. You misspelled <laughs> my, but how do you spell Claven. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Mailbag, tomorrow, do not forget, you have to, <laughs> how, how can you forget with that scream forever echoing and echoing in your ears until you just want to strangle somebody in the engineering room? Uh, don't forget, <laughs> go, go to dailywire.com, hit the podcast button, hit the Andrew Claven podcast, hit the little mailbag, and you can ask me anything you want. Ask about your personal life, ask about religion, ask about politics. All my answers are guaranteed 100 percent correct and will change your life sometimes for the better. You gotta be a subscriber to do it. So go to dailywire.com and subscribe. It's a lousy 10 bucks a month, a lousy hundred bucks for the year, and 400 bucks. Not only to get me ask, to ask me questions for a whole year, you get the leftist tiers tumbler, which believe me, you're going to need. Okay, so <laughs> yesterday, I happened to be in the car uh, listening to the radio when Donald Trump began one of his speeches, uh, at one of these rallies. He gives in these godforsaken places where people don't even live in New York or L.A. It's hard. I didn't even know there were people out there. But Donald Trump knows there are people out there. And he goes out and he starts to give a speech. And he is getting, you know, kind of more disciplined in his speeches, although he does go off in these hilarious rants sometimes. But, but anyway, he's talking about the thing that he should be talking about, which is the economy. And here's a portion of that.
1: Americans have been lifted off of food stamps. We're getting Americans off welfare and back into the workforce and it's happening by the thousands and thousands and thousands. 1 million people have been lifted out of poverty and the poverty rate for African Americans has reached the lowest level ever recorded the hispanic american african-american and asian-american unemployment rates have also reached an all-time historic low those debates should be very easy when we meet whoever we're going to meet because statistically i mean maybe i don't know who knows politics is a crazy world but when you have the best employment numbers in history when you have the best unemployment numbers in history, when you have the best economy probably that we've ever had, I don't know, how the hell do you lose this election, right?
0: <laughs> he sounds he sounds pretty confident. Trump always sounds pretty confident, but he looks incredibly relaxed. I got to say, for a guy who's under fire uh, 24 hours uh, a day, seven days a week, he looks very relaxed. He looks like he's feels uh, that he's got this going on. But I was listening to those figures, which are largely correct. I mean, obviously, Trump has that Carney Barker way of talking where he, everything is the best ever and the best ever. But, you know, the numbers are real. The numbers are real. He has brought jobs back. The growth in this country has been great. It's obvious he's taken off that that incredible weight that Barack Obama put on the country, not just by overregulating business, not just by being unreliable in what atmosphere he was creating for business, so business couldn't count on what was going to happen next, but also in that just a droning blame of, oh, we're not the country we're supposed to be, you know? I mean, they talk about animal spirits in business, and Obama was the greatest killer of uh, animal spirits ever, and Trump, you know, pumps people up. He he loves the country, and everything's going great. But I thought, like, what are they going to do? And it's just like the picture of Donald Trump that comes out of the Democrat media 24-7 again, that comes out all the time it's just different than the than real Trump it's different than the real Trump I mean first of all the stuff that he's talking about he's talking about the minority numbers the things that he has done for the minority communities in this country if that's what we have to call them I don't know why they're not just Americans but we we're always identifying them as minorities he's done amazing things for those communities in terms of the economy which kind of puts the lie to this whole racist thing which is All we have heard is racist, racist, racist. They pushed that thing about, oh, there are fine people on both sides until finally they had to admit, oh, yeah, we lied to you for two years. Now we just won't mention it again, but we'll keep saying he's racist. Two uh, researchers at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, Daniel Hopkins and Samantha Washington, set out to measure the effect of Trump's election on anti-black and anti-Hispanic prejudice. (laughs) And the Americans, they say, have become less inclined to express racist opinions since Donald Trump was elected. Anti-black prejudice, they found, declined by a statistically insignificant degree between 2012 and 2016 when Trump was elected. But then after 2016, when Trump was elected, it took a sharp dive. Anti-black prejudice after Trump's election took a sharp dive that was statistically significant. Moreover, contrary to uh, their expectations, the fall was as evident among Republican voters as it was among Democrats. There was also a general fall in anti-Hispanic prejudice, too, although this was more evident among Democrat voters. In other words, when you don't have a guy like Obama telling us that everything we do is wrong, that life is injustice, oh, we need to have a conversation about race as if we haven't been talking about race for the last 50 or 60 years. When you don't have people doing that, we start to react to each other the way we're supposed to, which is as Americans, and it's going away. This is an effect of Donald Trump. So that's a fantasy, the fantasy that... Trump is making racism worse, that he's bringing out from under the rock all the evil white supremacists, that white supremacism is a growing problem, which the numbers show that it is not. That is just a... I mean, you know, you can not like Trump. You can say his policies are wrong. You can disagree with his policies. But I'm talking about fantasy. I'm talking about the difference between fantasy and reality. What you cannot say is that he's a a racist or that he has acted in a racist way. You could say that Obama was a racist, he went for 20 years to a racist church, Uh, he convicted police officers without any evidence, he's calling them racist, he tried to take over local police forces with the feds on the grounds that they were racist when the numbers showed they weren't. You know, you could have said that. And you could say, we all have glitches, we all have things that come out of our mouth, you can always pick and choose things, but in terms of his actions, in terms of his policies, I don't see how it's possible to make the legitimate argument that this is an actual racist guy. More fantasy to come, but first, ZipRecruiter. And ZipRecruiter is all important. I mean, you see the way this is here at The Daily Wire. I mean, you try and get things done. They keep having people scream at you every time you say mailbag. There's somebody shrieking in your ear. Do you want that to happen? Do you want that kind of shrieking and craziness to be going on in your business? No, you got to use ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire, ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards and they don't stop there because they have powerful matching technology with which they scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter goes out and finds the people for you. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free, which is pretty inexpensive. It's at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. And DailyWire is all one word, D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Do not let what happens here happen at your business. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. So, Let's talk about the economy, right? I mean, the economy really—the ha- the people that he's talking about, too, the people who depend on manufacturing jobs and energy jobs and all these kind of uh, hands-on jobs that we were told were going to disappear, we were told by Obama— These are done, right? Obama said these aren't coming back. These jobs aren't coming back. You'd need a magic wand. Remember Paul Krugman from Knucklehead Row at the New York Times? He was, uh, nothing policy can do, this is a quote, nothing policy can do will bring back those lost jobs. The service sector is the future of work, but nobody will wants to hear it. And you know, the big brains in Silicon Valley, they're telling us we need a guaranteed income because everybody's going to be a robot from now on. You're not going to have anything to do but sit around and eat eat Soma, you know, eat opiates and uh, stare into space. And so we'll give you money to leave us alone while we create the future Not so much. In the first 21 months of the Trump presidency, non-farm employment grew by a seasonally adjusted 2.6%. In the same period, manufacturing employment grew by 3.1%, reversing the trend under Obama, when overall employment grew faster than employment in the manufacturing sector. Comparing the last 21 months of the Obama administration, right? It's almost two years. With the first 21 months of Trump's administration, shows that under Trump's watch, more than 10 times the number of manufacturing jobs were added, more than 10 times the manufacturing jobs than under Obama. So, okay, obviously lower taxes, less regulation, more oil and, and uh, more uh, energy work. Obviously, it improves the economy. It works every single time they do it. Now, you can say, I don't like that because I like taxing people and taxing the rich. They have to give back because they stole that money from somebody. So you can say, I like taxing the rich. You can say regulation is necessary uh, for whatever. I want to control your waterways, uh, the environment, whatever excuses they make. But you can't say it's not happening. You can't just fantasize a world in which Trump isn't successfully rebuilding the manufacturing base, the energy base, and rebuilding our economy. You can, however, if you work at the New York Times. If you, if you want to live in this fantasy world, you go to the New York Times. I mean, this is the thing. I grew up uh, out, just outside of New York, and the New York Times is like, it's the atmosphere that you breathe, that it, when you read the New York Times, that is what you think the world is. Still, my friends who and relatives who live in New York, they still think when they read the New York Times, which is now just a Trump hate paper, that's all it is, it's hilarious. I mean, if you don't read it, you should, just for the laughs, it's like, you know, Trump does this and Trump does that. And yes, the sky is blue, but Trump still, he's still a bad guy, you know? I mean, it's like everything. And that's the whole page. I do not think there's a headline on the front page that doesn't have some derogatory fact about Trump. They just hate him. And they found a place in America, Ohio, I think it was um, Northeast Ohio. They found a place in America where the manufacturing jobs haven't come back. It's still suffering. And they can't believe they still support Trump. They still support Trump because he has done this for the rest of America. So they found a a place where maybe things aren't going as well as anywhere else. And, of course, Joe Scarborough, who has now become the living avatar... Of the mainstream media. He's now like if the mainstream media were just distilled into a human being, it would be Joe Scarborough. He is pumping this idea that somehow because they did find a corner of America where that's not hasn't rebounded as much as the rest of America, where they're cheering crazily for Trump. You should have seen the hangar he was in yesterday just packed with people. Because of that, Joe Scarborough sells the fantasy that things are going badly.
1: We have seen it time and again: people voting against their economic self-interest. Uh, the, the the manufacturing jobs in Youngstown are not coming back. No. Uh, the no. the other jobs that they're the mining jobs that Donald Trump is talking about. Not only are they not coming back. They're going away. The few high profile examples, whether it's Carrier or Ford that Donald, even Foxconn that Donald Trump talked about, they've all blown up in his face. The question is, will those voters discover that this, that this billionaire, that this plutocrat is nothing more than the short, fat little man behind the curtain in the Wizard of
0: Oz? The short, fat, little man behind the curtain who was, I mean, it really is amazing. Remember Obama said he was going to need a magic wand, now he's the Wizard of Oz, uh, except those jobs are coming back to have ten times the number, as in the Obama administration. You, you know, I travel out there. You go. Out, what's, so, what's so ridiculous about this is all you have to do is go out to the Midwest. Every single store has a uh, help-wanted sign in it, almost every one. And they don't have help-wanted signs in it because suddenly... Fast food stores, because suddenly fast food stores are on the rise. They have help wanted store, uh, signs in them because people are working in those areas. And then they have they go to the fast food store, they go to the restaurants. And so the restaurants need to hire people. Unbelievable, unbelievable. You know, I, I hardly like to quote MSNBC. Scarborough is a little different because he's not quite uh, an M- MSNBC. He does represent the mainstream news. But just to show you what people on the left are thinking about, just to show you what they're thinking, because I think this is really good. Brian Williams has Donnie Deutsch on. Now, that that very fact, of course, is hilarious. When you think about Brian Williams, who was kicked off the air for lying. And look, it, it was lying. It was lying. He would tell stories about things that happened to him, adventurous things that happened to him as a reporter. His helicopter was shot down or whatever. All untrue. Doesn't stop him. As long as you're a leftist, if he were a right winger... Where would he be today out of work? He would be in a different profession. He would be, you know, he would be in the fast food restaurant asking you if you wanted fries with that. But instead, because he's a left winger, he gets to come back and do this again. Now he's interviewing Donny Deutsch. Who's Donnie Deutsch? He's an ad man. He's an old ad guy. So you've got a hype artist and a liar talking to one another about what's happening in the country. What do you think it's going to sound like? It sounds like this.
2: How dark are things right now to you? Very, very dark. And I I want to say this with with, with no exaggeration. If you look throughout history and you become a student of history and the worst of what humans have done throughout history, Trump is using that playbook in every way you possibly can. You start with creating an other. You get enough rich people to look the other way. And that's how you get power. And then what you do is obviously you destroy the credibility of a press. You get a judicial system that is no longer independent. You start to blur um, uh, separation of powers. And we should be very frightened. It's not just saying, you know, or authoritarian tendencies. Um, I believe this man is capable of, of horrific, horrific deeds, and I'm not saying specifically what that is, but let your imagination go. And also do not kid yourself. If he gets voted out of office, he will say it was fake. He will say the, the polls were rigged. He will tell his people to take to the streets. People have to understand this is not a man who is playing with any, out any boundaries of what our normal civilization our normal democracy has
3: I'm hysterical I'm having hysterics i I'm hysterical I can't stop when I get like this I can't stop I'm hysterical I'm going to no 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 you no, 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 no. <laughs> no,
0: you know that clip, that Donnie Deutsch clip, may be my favorite news clip of the year so far. You know, Newsbusters are the guys I'm always using to get it, uh, the media to sh- because they monitor the media so well. Uh, they do a yearly uh, party where they give the award for the most biased stuff. That has got to be a contender for one of the most biased, hilarious clips. Not one fact in that whole minute that we play, not one fact. Just let your imagination go, he says... This is a man who's capable of the worst things in human history, okay, the worst things in human history, and, (laughs) let's imagine, go, and if he's voted out of office, he won't leave. This is the other part of the fantasy, that democracy, which seems to me to be working quite well, right? our democracy, the way our democracy works, which is it's a republic with a democratic element, right? which seems to be working quite well. It, It is somehow under threat simply by the presence of Donald Trump who has never done anything, right? I mean, he's never done anything to hamper our republic, our democracy. This is is a big deal, but I think it's revealed in this incredible clip of the actor Jeff Daniels, because remember, when you have this fantasy, you've got to, it's got to be like surround sound. You've got to surround people with this fantasy, and you've got to keep people off Twitter, you know, all the people are on Twitter, all the people are on Facebook saying stuff. You got to silence them. You got to keep them down because they interrupt Uncle Ned's fantasy that socialism is still alive even though ant socialism died 20 20 years ago. So Jeff Daniels is starring and this is interesting in and of itself. Jeff Daniels is starring in a new play based on To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird, one of the favorite um novels ever written, right, in America, one of America's favorite novels. I'm not that big a fan of it, I think it's very blunt, but okay, it's a favorite novel among people. So now, they've brought it back as, uh, in a completely woke version. Terry Teachout, who's the excellent uh, stage critic for the Wall Street Journal, right, They have rewritten this by Aaron Sorkin, and it is called Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird, a new play by Aaron Sorkin, all right? And in this, you remember To Kill a Mockingbird, the wise Atticus Finch um, defends a black man accused, falsely accused of rape, right? And in his wisdom, he stands up against the uh, bigots of the town. But in this, right, they've totally rewritten it. Uh, uh, Aaron Sorkin, the leftist guy who wrote The West Wing and everything, he's totally rewritten it so that Atticus Finch is played as a a fool, right, who doesn't understand just how bad. He says he's he's incapable of fully appreciating the total depravity of his racist friends and neighbors, a hookwormy gaggle of populism spouting gargoyles. I'm surprised they weren't wearing red MAGA caps with their KKK hoods, right? He has to be, Atticus Finch has to be schooled by his, his uh, he has to be set straight by Calpurnia, his sassy, wised-up black maid. Instead, Atticus Finch, more or less realistically, is the white guy who stands up for the powerless black guy in a time of uh, when the Democrats had brought Jim Crow to the South. So that's, that is how they're, first of all, changing To Kill a Mockingbird, a, an American classic, a book that everybody loves, how they're changing it uh, to reflect what they, their fantasy, their fantasy of what America is like, right? That, these, that anybody who's voting for Donald Trump is a racist, which is just so offensive. It's unbelievable, but also a fantasy. And here's Jeff Daniels talking about the people who vote for Trump.
3: After the election, I was surprised at some of the people. You know, I said, can you believe this election? And they go, yeah, isn't it great? and you're going, whoa, my wife's on Facebook, and these go, oh, we got another Trumper, you know? And it's just, you didn't see it coming. Atticus goes through this. I know these people, they're they're good people. There's, 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 and there are reasons why, and he's an apologist, he's an enabler. And I think there are people in the Midwest between the coasts who don't pretend, who don't know anything about, who don't care about this, who don't have time for this, who have to make a decision now. You have to decide whether, like Atticus, you believe that there is still compassion, decency, civility, respect for others. Do unto others. Remember that. Do unto others. All that stuff you guys believe in, and you still voted not for Hillary or for Trump. Where are you now? Because he- the everybody. Because your kids are looking up at you, going, "But he lies." And and I think there are a lot of people in the Midwest who are going. Ugh. It might be enough for them. We're going to find out if, you know, if the big gamble is to go all the way to November 2020, which I agree, and lose, it's the end of democracy.
0: So. <laughs> I love these people. It would be funny if they weren't so dangerous. But but what he's saying is the big gamble is not to impeach Donald Trump, as if they had the power to impeach Donald Trump, which they they might have the power to impeach him, but they don't have the power to convict him. So that's not going to help them any. So he says he agrees that they should do that. Take the big gamble and have a vote. But if they lose the vote, that's the end of democracy. Because that's how democracy works. You take a vote, and then if you lose it's not democracy i mean that that is the left wing fantasy that is the left wing fantasy how is it is democracy dead if they take a vote and the left loses. It's an amazing, amazing fantasy. And meanwhile, meanwhile, we've got you have to silence the opposition because they have this threat that reality is rising. That suddenly we're going to see some of the malfeasance from the Obama administration, the malfeasance from the FBI. And, I'm, you know, we haven't got proof of this yet, but even the investigation is something they don't. I mean, this is the way here's here's an example of how the left covers the investigation into how the FBI investigation into Trump got started. Hurts. Nothing to
1: see here,
0: please. <laughs> so, so, and and when one one network, Fox, is covering it, what do you have to do? Because we're living in a fantasy. you got to silence anybody who is threatening that fantasy. It, it, it's an amazing thing to hear a network like CNN. And I mean, look, they could have said this on pu- in public, but fa- luckily they said on CNN where no one's watching. But, but you know, it's an amazing thing to watch people on CNN go in. And, and not just say, I disagree with the people at Fox. But say this, listen to this.
2: I think that uh, Fox News is a corrupt enterprise. I think it is not a journalism uh, uh, company. It is a company that has been built, was built by Roger Ailes in order to promote conservative Republican political ideas. And in prime time, they spread the kind of disinformation that actually worked with the Russians to sow dissent in this country. So I'm with her. I think I, I think the Democrats uh, should avoid going on because, it, it like, they should avoid being involved with any other corrupt enterprise. Well, the f- it's a t- it's a tough call because the point you made earlier about how Fox can use these debates as a vehicle to go to advertisers and say, "Look, we are not just." The racists and bigots in primetime. We are a, a real news organization, and that is a that I'm not sure Democrats want to give them that cover. I think that's that if you're going to not go on, that's the best
4: argument. I, I will. Yeah,
0: that is it's just, that's amazing, amazing stuff for colleagues to say about colleagues. Obviously untrue. Obviously, you know, there's Fox is not a racist station. It does have two very right-wing commentators uh, Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram they are on the right but it also has a lot of Democrats more Democrats than uh, there are Republicans on CNN more de- more Democrats on Fox News than Republicans have walked by the CNN building basically uh, so that's so what are they doing they're trying to prevent reality from coming reality which is that when the FBI investigates a pre- president's campaign on the other side of the aisle from the administration that is in power, it needs to be looked at. Not that it was wrong, but it needs to be looked at. Who's covering that? Fox. Here is the attorney general, Bill Barr, talking to Fox about why he appointed John Durham, a guy, they're going to have a really hard time. It's easy for them to rake bar over the coals. He's lived, apparently, I mean, he's had a career that has never uh, had scandal touch it, but that it's easy for them to rake him under the coals because he's in the Trump administration. I don't know what they're going to do with this guy, John Durham, who he, he's appointed to investigate this because he's been appointed by both sides. He's been appointed by both Democrats and Republicans to investigate intelligence operations and whether they have, were done well. Here's Boris talking about why this has to be done. Well, the first step is find out exactly what happened. Uh, And uh, we're trying to get our arms around that, getting all the
1: relevant information from the various agencies, uh, and uh, starting to talk to some of the people that have information. You know, The thing that's interesting about this is that this was handled at a very senior level of these departments. It wasn't handled in the ordinary way that investigations or counterintelligence activities are conducted. It was sort of an ad hoc small group. And most of these people are no longer with the FBI or the CIA or the other agencies involved. I've been trying to get answers to questions, and I found that a lot of the answers have been ade- inadequate. And I, I've also found that uh, some of the explanations I've gotten don't hang together. If we're worried about foreign influence, for the very same reason, we should be worried about whether government officials abuse their power and put their thumb on the scale. And, and so I'm not
0: saying that happened. Uh, But I'm saying that we have to look at that. And of course, I mean, if it were the other way around, of course, everybody, I I think that that's a a natural, you have to look at that. I I think I would be shocked if George W. Bush had had the FBI uh, tapping uh, phones and sending people in with wires. Trey Gowdy is now saying that there are tapes—I mean, he hasn't proved this yet, so I I don't want to go overboard—but he is now saying that there are tapes that show that the FBI knew that Trump was innocent, and that exculpatory evidence did not go into the FISA warrants. So they knew he was innocent, but they didn't put it in the FISA warrants. That's that's a game-changer. I mean, at The Federalist, Margot Cleveland is writing that um, Carter Page, the former Trump campaign advisor— is suggesting to them that the uh, surveillance, the spying went on after the campaign into the administration, that they were actually spying on people uh, like Steve Bannon during the administration. I mean, this is serious stuff, and it really does need to be looked at. And it is it is, it it is real that it needs to be looked at, and it's real that it might have happened. And if that reality... Uh, Comes to the surface, it is going to destroy, destroy this fantasy Trump that we've been living with uh, now for two years in the media, more than two years in the media. Listen, it's going to be up to us to decide in the end. I mean, we we can buy into these fantasies or not. We can make the truth count or we can just let it pass by. But eventually, it, it's going to come out. I mean, it's, as long as uh, Trump is in power as long as there are Republicans pushing to find out what happened. The truth is gonna come out, the fantasy is gonna collapse, and it's only gonna be a matter of how we react to that when it actually happens. Hey, I got Christian Toto coming up. I gotta say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Do not forget, it's the mailbag tomorrow. Send your questions in now. I will answer them all, solve all your problems just for a lousy ten bucks a month, a lousy hundred bucks for the year. All your problems. I mean look go look in the mirror and then come back and say, do you not want your problem solved? by this program, of course you do. So go on the mailbag and send in your questions now. Christian Toto is a friend of the show. We love having him on because he is one of the few uh, conservatives talking about the culture. Uh, and one of the few conservatives talking about the culture who knows something about the culture, which is also great. He's an award-winning journalist, film critic, podcaster. He's the founder of HollywoodInToto.com and the host of the weekly Hollywood in HIT podcast, which offers a right of center perspective on entertainment news. Christian, we got you. There you are. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? All right. It's good to see you. Um, So I just did yesterday, uh, I was talking about the end of Game of Thrones, uh, the fact that Um, that Daenerys, the dragon queen, goes kind of nuts and is obsessed with power. And just talking about that as a a right-wing, it's a fantasy to have a show that popular put forward the idea that even in pursuit of the good, you can become so obsessed with power that you destroy people, that you commit atrocities. Um, How do do you feel overall about the Game of Thrones story? I mean, what what was your feeling watching it? did, Did you, a lot of people were criticizing it, uh, how, what was your take on it? I think I'm more curious about the the pop culture phenomena around it. Uh-huh. It is
4: one of the last shows where we all get together. We all watch it. We all talk about it on Twitter. We don't get that anymore. You know, there's no there's no longer appointment TV, and we we watch things when we want to watch them. But with this show, you couldn't not watch it live because you get in trouble. Someone on Twitter spills the beans, and I I love that part of it. Um, and you know, I'm also intrigued by the fact that. I think about a million people signed a petition to redo the yeah, season yes. because they don't
0: like it. Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, you know, who are we? We're not the artists, we're the people who watch it. Yeah. We cannot watch it, we cannot like it. But it's not our job. I mean, you could be dissatisfied for sure, but I, I just think that we we have this weird ownership of things now where if it's so big, well then I've got to say and you've
0: got to say. And if we don't like it, well darn it, we're gonna do something about that. You know, it's 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 <laughs> hilarious. I, I that I'm torn between the fact that you're absolutely right. There, You know, the, the audience is not the artist. The audience is there to be told a story. And, of course, all their comments are so political, this idea that women should somehow triumph in the end, this kind of nonsense. But, but on the other hand, it is kind of beautiful to see an entire country wrapped up in a story, and especially one that's written with so much talent.
4: Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, the level of excellence has been consistent throughout yeah. there weren't bad seasons and good seasons i think people quibble about this because the weight of the, the weight of the season was so heavy but yeah but this is the power of pop culture yeah it's what andrew breitbart's been was telling us for years it's what people like you tell us all the time it matters this is what we talk about it's what we care about you know we don't we don't talk yeah. about the leads in our backyard we talk about this show these characters the arcs the stories and we'll be talking about it for years, if not decades. So it it, it does have a consequence, and uh, yeah, it, it's
0: it's what we all unites us in a way. Well, spe- so speaking of that, you wrote a piece about the new laughin, the kind of reconstructed laughin. Now, first, before we talk about this, you have to explain to people, the younger people in the audience, what laughin was. I mean, you must have been six years old when laughin came out. I, I really remember it well, but it was a big deal.
4: I caught the reruns. It was a show in the late sixties. A lot uh-huh. of funny goofy people and it was off the wall it was silly it was you know back then it was a longer gestation for jokes this was rat-a-tat-tat right and it was political at times it was sort of saucy at times it had girls in bikinis with with little placards and messages painted upon them it was unlike anything else and it was a big hit and it made Goldie Hawn a star and Lily Tomlin Ruth Buzzy and what it wasn't it wasn't mean and it wasn't overly one-sided. No. It, it, Richard it Nixon
0: went on it. Richard Nixon went on the show. Yeah.
4: Famously said socket it to me. Yeah. That's... When they announced the reboot on Netflix. It was, it was just a special reunion. I thought, oh, it's going to be a Trump bashing affair. And that's exactly what it was and <laughs> spirited in that Trump bashing. Listen, I'm not a Trump defender where you can't tell jokes about him. Right. But the same jokes, the skin, the totalitarianism. I'm exhausted. But more importantly, the speech mid, midway through the reunion special by Kenya Barris. He's the fellow who created Blackish, a very popular show. And he said comedy is under attack today, and that if the show Laughing was around today, all the writers and producers would be in jail. And I'm thinking, what planet is this guy on? <laughs> he's never just the one in comedy and his fellow liberals want to lock us up. I mean, we're speaking, if not otherwise. I mean, he got it completely backwards. So not only did they use this great classic show to mock Trump, which happens across the landscape, they lied to our faces. And it really it really kind of annoyed me that they kind of stained the legacy of a show that really did groundbreak. In television.
0: Yeah, no, it is. It, it really is a shame. And the whole idea when there's one comedian after another, not just, not just attacking Trump, but the, the, the vile <laughs> profanity that comes out of their mouths on network TV, um, you know, where they, you know, where Colbert is suggesting that Trump is performing oral sex on Putin and all this. I mean, just the violent and and Trump is like, eh. You know? I mean, he laughs at them. He makes fun of them. He calls them failures, but he, there ain't no police showing up at their doors. It's all, again, this fantasy of this dictator shutting them out. So you heard, I know because you wrote about it on your site, you heard the interview I did with uh, Michael Loftus. And uh, he was a comedian. Just for those people who missed it, he's a comedian who tried to pitch a show, and they told him, no, we don't want to be uh, nice to anybody on the right. One of the questions I get asked most often is, what's my advice to a young person who wants to get in to show business. What's your advice to a young person who wants to get into the entertainment business?
4: Well, I mean, if you're right of center, it's very tricky. Yeah, I mean, You have to navigate where you can't be too open about your political views, it's very clear. I've done so many stories in the last maybe year or so where artists are saying that they've been treated differently because they're right of center. So. There is a, there is a line you have to walk, but I also think if you cultivate an audience that matters, if you use social media, that matters. If you say, Hey, I can go have a YouTube channel and, and share what I want to share. That's important and hone your skills be good. Don't be a hack yeah. and be very self, maybe turn to your friends, and say, Hey, I did a video. It's a, it's a parody. Is it funny? And if it's not, how can I make it better? So don't go out there with that American Idol season one mentality of I'm the greatest singer in the world. Get <laughs> better, learn, learn from your mistakes and then put yourself out there. So I mean, it, it's not easy. And I, I just, I'm exhausted that I have to keep interviewing people who say, well, they're treating me differently because they are. It's happening across the board. Yeah. I talked to a colleague Michael Loftus who said, I used to go on radio shows and they would promote my, my live act. They'd be happy. They'd be, they'd be very glad to give me exposure but when I connected to a live act that was conservative, the door slammed shut
0: in my face. Yeah, you know it's a it's a really good point about the quality of things. This is true both in the conservative world and the Christian world, where people approach you, they approach me, and they say, "Oh, my brother, you know, you and I are as one in our beliefs. Uh, therefore, you should promote my work." And you look at the work, and it's it's tripe, you know, it's it's bad, yeah. or it's it's propaganda, or it's uh, you know pious uh, nonsense. And you say, like, "Hey, dude, you know, this is this is a profession. You got to be good at it uh, in yeah. order to." do it. You, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a surgeon uh, operate on me because he happened to vote the same way I did, and it's the same way with the arts. Well, one last question, because this is the other big question I get, and I'm I'm kind of uh, hitting you up for uh, information because I want to know how to better answer these questions. I, I talk to people with money, and they all want to know what they should do with their money. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that, can, you know, you if you don't know about Hollywood, you can waste a lot of money. Uh, you go to somebody, you go to some guy who uh, has some piece of work that he's kept in his trunk because nobody wanted it, and he says, well, you could finance this, you know, and you're throwing your money away. What do you think people with money should do to help transform the culture?
4: Well, I think they need to team up with people who have a better sense of the arts and not just going kind to of throw the money around. Be judicious in where you spend the money. I also think they should maybe support artists who are on the rise, who are maybe – you mentioned before that the art isn't very good. Maybe they're getting better, mm. but they're not there yet. So maybe look for people who have kind of that spark of talent. And also think about – wouldn't it be great to have a women's magazine like a Cosmo <laughs> pro-life oh, man. That, didn't, that didn't bash uh, GOP uh, <laughs> representatives on every issue? That was actually right-leaning – I mean, just think how, what, what you could do with that, how that would influence people and, and it would be cool and it'd be hip and it'd be stylish, but it would be gently right of center. And it would be antidote to all these women's magazines, which telling us that, you know, that there's no one on the right worth a darn. Yeah. I mean, so I think there's different ways to approach the culture and, you know, go on a crowdfunding platform, look at all the different projects, watch the trailers. If there's one that's really good they've only got like maybe 20,000 in the till, Maybe throw that person a check because yeah. maybe that person really needs it. But you're asking good, tough questions. There are no good answers. I'm just kind of scrambling, but I, I do think that people on the right with cash, which is not me, <laughs> yeah. need to do that. all I can do is give my, my my website as a platform for artists who are hopefully on the rise. Yeah. And I'm happy to do that always, but I think the people who have the finances need to be creative and smart and think about the culture. It
0: matters. It matters so much. I know, yeah. And, and it- And I also, I mean, one thing that I would like to see more of, too, are awards and grants for artists of of all, you know, at all levels. Because, you know, then it carries some prestige. It's not just here's some dope, kid. You know, it's also, oh, you won the prestigious such-and-such grant or the such-and-such award. Uh, It's a whole infrastructure we need. Hey, i got to say goodbye, Christian. It's really good to see you. Christian, Toto, go on to HollywoodInToto.com so you can uh, find out about culture without getting a little socialism <laughs> with your arms. Thanks a lot, Christian. It's good to see you. Thank you. Let me uh, let me end with uh, one final reflection, just a, a story that's coming out of Oakland that I just absolutely love. Uh, they are called the pothole vigilantes uh, because the roads in uh, Oakland are so bad that uh, and the city's not doing anything about them. So they creep out at night masked, I believe, and they (laughs) fill in the potholes because it may be illegal to do this work uh, without the government doing it. Here's just a little video of these two guys who are out on the street filling in bottles.
3: We want to be the ones that fix the streets of Oakland since the city isn't doing it. So, you know, we believe that, you know, our supporters in our community now, you know, would back us up in, in the case that the city did want to do any sort of legality against us. I mean, I think a lot of people get caught up in the fact that we pay taxes, so it's the city's job to fix the pothole. But in reality, the city has those tax money. Yes, and it is their job. But if you have the time, the money, the the ability to fill a pothole, to clean a sign, to pick up litter, to maybe paint a road, you know, just fix your community for the better, you should do it. Taking pride in not only Oakland, but and your city that you live in and you, you, you grew up in, definitely, um, just taking pride in going out there and doing community services for, for your own city. That's great, and I, I I would like to just
0: extend it to say, you know, if you go to your church and your church has become some leftist uh, place, maybe meet in your house and have uh, be a be a Christian vigilante uh, if you uh, if if you feel that your children uh, aren't being taught about America and their civic duties and their civic responsibilities. Uh, maybe homeschool your kids and be a, a parent vigilante. I think this is the way of the future because the more the government does, the more it will do, and and the worse it'll be. I think uh, this is a lot of this is now falling to us to do as individuals, uh, even if we have to do it in the dark of night. It, that's a great, I love that story. Hey, I gotta say goodbye. Tomorrow is the mailbag. Be there, ask your questions. The answers will change your life. For the better <laughs> let's find out i'm andrew clavin this is the andrew clavin show
1: oh, hooray, hooray.
0: the andrew clavin show is produced by robert sterling executive producer jeremy boring senior producer jonathan hay our supervising producer is mathis glover and our technical producer is austin stevens edited by Adam Sayovitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And our animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2019. A new survey shows millennials are poor, lonely, depressed, and socialist. We will analyze why young Americans are so miserable. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.